me a wave if you're really doing well today. If you, you know, just you're glad to be here and terrific. We like to do series here in the church and we're just going through a series called Simplify. And uh, we've been we're endeavoring to just unpack this thought around Proverbs 4 verse 23 where it says there, Above all else, guard your heart. For out of its spring, the issues of life. And what we've realized is this. There's lots of stuff that can easily get in our hearts. And lots of stuff can get in our hearts and clutter our hearts. And what there needs to be, whether we're in faith or whether we're walking towards God, or it may be that you have no interest of God or you're a Christ follower, this series is for everybody here today. Because unless we deal with some of the issues of our hearts, we're not going to live a blessed, fruitful, happy life. We've got to deal with some of this stuff in here. And the thought was around simplifying our hearts. And this morning, what I particularly want to look at is the whole area of from wounded to whole. Making room for forgiveness. I wonder if we could just have a straw poll here today. Could you raise your hand if you've ever been wronged? Somebody's wronged you. Just raise your hand. There's literally every hand raised. The reality is we're all, we've all been wronged. We've all wronged someone. We've all been wronged ourselves. And you know, when we get wronged, we've got to make room for forgiveness. Because if we don't make room for forgiveness, we're going to carry that stuff in our hearts and that's going to come out of us and it's going to affect our ongoing life. You know, we live in a world that's quite complex, quite challenging, quite difficult. And our heart here is, is to see you come to a place of where you can actually find freedom. Let me say again, as my opening remarks, we can't find wholeness and ultimately live a simplified life without attending to the broken relationships and they are invariably connected to people. You see, I've realized that unless we deal with this stuff in here, our hearts, what's in our hearts always rises, always speaks, always acts. So whether you're a shouter you'll shout out of this heart. If you go a little bit passive-aggressive, which is you go quiet and moody, you'll do it out of this heart. Am I talking to anybody here today? It's out of this heart the issues arise. And what I've realized, if we want to go from wounded to whole and make room for forgiveness, we've got to understand a number of things. And the question that I would ask you today is, how do you respond to wrongs? I'm so pleased that we actually are looking at this subject matter this morning because the reality is there's going to be a group of people that you're going to hear share their stories and we're having baptisms both here and in Mansfield this evening and they've all come to that point where they've realized they needed forgiveness, God's forgiveness. So I'm really pleased to be addressing this particular subject but we have to ask ourselves with regards to people, how are we responding to wrongs? I love what it says in Proverbs 18, verse 14. It says this, a healthy, it won't come up on the screen um, because it's a verse I've just added as I was just going over the last minute touches to the message. It says, a healthy spirit conquers adversity. 
But what can you do when the spirit is crushed? And the reality is, I've come across many people in my time as being a pastor, relating to people, talking with people, that I've realized there are many people who live with a crushed spirit because they've responded badly, they've been, been responded wrongly, or they've been wronged and they're carrying it in their hearts. And then that manifests in their behavior. So just for these next few moments, what I'd like to do is just try and unpack it a little bit. Is that okay? And what we're going to do, we're going to endeavor to look at just three particular areas that I think we ought to categorize the wrongs that we can all face in our lives. So am I speaking to anybody this morning? Are you all with me? You're all wide awake. Just nudge the neighbor next to you and said, are you awake? Are you alive? Are you, are you, are you, are you with this man at the front? <laughs> Wonderful. Three things. Three categories. Three breakdowns. The first thing that I want to say is this category one. When I think about wrongdoing and wrongs. These are called the lesser offences. The lesser offences. What I'm talking about in a lesser offence is this. That the wrongdoing is no more than a slight blip. It's, it's nothing more than just something that's happened to us, but we tend to overreact. Anybody here would, would own up to being an overreactor. I'm, I'm certainly in that category. I tend to overreact very quickly. An overreaction, then seconds later, I want to pull back the words that I've said. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like through them, and you think, oh God, if only I could pull them back. You know, there are things that happen to us. There are things that we wrong others by, and they're, they're lesser. They're lesser offenses. You know, I remember being a youth pastor, which basically means... I was like Josh, I was looking after the young, the young guys in our church in Milton Keynes many, many years ago. And I still remember to this day, this girl, and she came to, to, to see me. And, you know, one Tuesday night when we was running the youth program. And interestingly, she's now in ministry, so we must have just laid something in her. And uh, I remember saying, you know, I hate my dad. You know, I can't stand him. You know, why, why is that? Well, you know, he's grounded me and it's so wrong. Anybody have a teenager like this? He's so wrong. And, you know, it's like, okay. And so why did, well, he, he, I don't know what the problem is. You know, he, I have a curfew, but I, I, I broke it by an hour. But so why? He doesn't really care, you know. And, and, and then, you know, I, I had my allowance and I've spent it all. And I've got a week of detention. I am so wrong. Anybody have a teenager or has ever had a teenager like that? Anybody have a husband like that? Okay, well, don't wives, don't, don't respond to that. Ladies, keep it. My response to this lady was, this young girl was, really? How horrible of your dad. Can you note the sarcasm in the voice? He must be a wicked father. The reality is this young girl needed a reality check. Yes? Because there are lesser wrongs. And while I'm talking about that, poking fun at everybody... Let me just poke some fun at myself because, as I said, I can grossly overreact at times and 
I'd love to say that's getting better. I think it is. If my wife were here, she says, you get, we just, you know, it's, it's millimeter by millimeter. It's not great strides. But I remember a time, this happened on two occasions, one with my mom in the car and then another time with Caroline in the car before we had the children, I'm thankful to say. But, you know, let me paint the scenario of a very busy Christmas period, the lead up to Christmas, trying to get into a busy city center shopping area with people trying to find parking spaces, and I wait for one, I've clearly got the indicator on, and a guy zooms in and takes my parking space, well, I can almost let that go, but it happened a second time. My overreaction was bad, straight up, I was out of the car, I literally was out of the car, I was banging on his window, you move this car now. By the way, you moved it, okay. (laughs) I'm laughing with you, but I'm ashamed of my behavior. It was a car park space. It doesn't matter. Let me ask you a question. These lesser offenses, what's your reaction like? Do I need to come and just cozy up at the side of you when you tell me some of your stuff and say, Really? In light of the issues that are happening around the world, do you know what I'm talking about? Really? And what I've realized is this, with my reaction, with my reaction, I at times can be such a jerk. Because in light of what is happening in the world, it's nothing. You know, we can be easily angered. Too easily offended. Church, let me just for a moment talk to those who are part of this church. Listen, offense is not an occupant of this house. And we can become easily offended. We need to stop it in light of what's happening in the world. You know, when I realize that I'm too angered or easily offended, it reveals a fragility in my own spirit. Let me go further. It reveals an unredeemed ego, unachievable expectations, an overinflated right to a trouble-free life. What we're basically saying is the world is there to serve me. The issue is not them. The issue is you. That man in that car park space, he shouldn't have done it. The issue wasn't his. The issue was mine. And what we need to do over these lesser offenses, the day-to-day stuff, we need to breathe and lean into the loving grace and forgiveness of our Savior, Jesus. We need to take a reality check. Somebody once said, we mustn't sweat the small stuff. It was a book that was written in the 1990s. And if you're prone to blowing things out of proportion, if you are easily offended or provoked... We have to figure out why. If you're not sure, you need to, why you do it, you need to make a commitment to explore and figure out what triggers your out of proportion reaction. Because if I can say this very lovingly as a pastor to our church today, some of you overreact massively. Secondly, second category. It's not just lesser offenses, but now there are legitimate wounds. If I can say with regards to going from, from that point of where we go from uh, brokenness 
from wounded to wholeness and making room for forgiveness, we have to understand that there is a category too that is much more severe and these are legitimate wounds. If I can say these are very painful, like in a a burns unit, category two and three burns would be quite serious. They would blister, they would mark, they would scar, they're extremely painful. These are not lesser or minor offences. This is not a reaction with me coming up beside you and saying, really, the reaction that I will make to you is, I am so, so sorry. Some of the examples of that is not a spoiled, petulant young person, but it's somebody who's had betrayal in their marriage. Somebody who's been betrayed because they've revealed a confidence and this person said, I won't tell anybody. And then the day later, it's all around the office. It's all around the church. It's all around the neighborhood. And let me say, these are legitimate wounds. The answer in this category is not retribution or revenge. You know, oftentimes, I've had this on occasions where I've seen it, thankfully not here, but I've seen it in other contexts where there could be an affair that's involved a a man or a woman has started having a relationship outside of their marriage. And let's say, for instance, it's the wife who starts it. And the man, the husband then finds out, so what does he go and do? He goes and has an affair. Let me say to you, that never, ever works. It doesn't make the person who's doing it feel any better. In the moment, they feel like they're getting revenge and retribution, but it never works. In the Old Testament, it was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but Jesus said something completely different. He said, actually, if somebody wrongs you, offends you, what are you to do? You are to turn the other cheek. It's hard stuff, but I want to say that Jesus was onto something because he knew that actually there is no satisfaction. There is no resolution. You expend a lot of negative energy when you try and get your own back and it leads ultimately to no peace. The answer to legitimate wounds, again, is the area of forgiveness. But I'd love to say that this is a simple process. And those of you who know, well, I know I'm speaking to people here today. You've had legitimate wounds. You've had things that have hurt you and battered you and bruised you. I'm not here at the front saying, oh, just get over it. Not at all. These are legitimate wounds. And forgiveness is not a simple process. There are times in my life where I've had to release forgiveness to people and it's not been a simple, easy process. But I've realized that the process consists of three things. First of all, if we want to move on, we've got to acknowledge the wrong that has been done to us. Notice the language, done to us. Secondly, we need to grieve over what has been lost. There has been a loss. There has been something that's been taken. And thirdly, We eventually come to the point where we can let the other person off the hook. We release forgiveness. Somebody once said this. Some people have now quoted it. Holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. (laughs) You know, and oftentimes we feel the answer to the legitimate wounds is we hold them. But all it does is hurt us. It doesn't hurt the person. The answer is the person of Jesus because as I point to Jesus just for a moment, use him as the example, but he was wronged, but he forgave. He was full of truth and full of hope and full of forgiveness and yet the people ridiculed him and ultimately hung him upon a cross and he did nothing wrong. 
And Jesus had a lot to say about forgiveness because he knew the issues of our hearts. In fact, in Matthew 18 and verse 15, he, he says, he is specifically speaking to Christians, to believers, when he says, if a believer hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. And if he listens, you've made a friend. But if he won't listen, take one or two others along so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest and try again. If he still won't listen, tell the church. And if he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch. Confront him with the need for repentance and offer again God's forgiving love. If I can just say very quickly, just before we move to category three, Jesus was encouraging us how to handle legitimate wounds and how to move into forgiveness from wounded to whole. And there are two things that he just, I just want to pick up if I can quickly. Because what he basically uses the language is, look, if somebody has wronged you, go. And you have to do it today. So if somebody has hurt you, you have to go and do it today. But there are some things in that going you need to understand. You need to go not after talking to a group of other people. You've got to go in the privacy of that moment. If you need other people then involved in that, then you may have to involve them. But don't, if somebody's wounded you and hurt you, go and pour it out to a load of other people. Because all you're doing is pouring out your poison on them. And their spirits become affected. Go and try and resolve it with the person who has legitimately wounded you. And can I say, as you go, do it with the hope of reconciliation. Oh, so many times I've gone, oh, and I've told them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, I've blooming well told them. But was there any heart of reconciliation? Not at all. So if we're going to go, we need to go today. And we need to go with the hope of reconciliation. But secondly, we also need to let it go. Because Jesus says this, there are going to be times when people are not going to listen to you. They're not going to want to know. In fact, he uses this. And if he still won't listen, tell the church. And if he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch. Sometimes it doesn't work. And what are you going to do in that moment? Well, I'd encourage you to let it go. I feel like breaking into an Elsa song. I won't. Let it go. Let it go. I don't know the next line, but anyway. I could make up a line, but anyway. (laughs) Romans 12 verse 8 says this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know, you can't control others' responses. We're trying to encourage our two guys, who, particularly Isaac, who, as many of you know, plays um, basketball. And we'll often say to him, because it's a phrase his coach has said to him, Isaac, you need to control the controllables. You can't control the opposition you're playing against. You can't control how your teammates are going to play. You can't control any of that. What you can control is your attitude. What you can control is your body language. What you can control is you. And listen to me, in this area of forgiveness, we we can only control the controllables. If other people don't want to know, We've got to let it, let it go. The reality is there is no quick fix when we have legitimate wounds. And by the way, I'm aware that these could demand lessons in their own. Each one demands a lesson. But the truth is forgiveness in God's time is the only doorway to, hear, to healing. Thirdly, category three. 
So not only have we got lesser wounds, lesser offences where we say, really? Or legitimate wounds where I say, look, I am so sorry. But we now have the life-shattering experiences, the soul-threatening experiences. And numbers of months ago, some of you heard me in absolute bits before the church because there are things that I've heard around the life of this church. Stories that you have told me, not many, but one or two that have been just that life-shattering experiences. An injustice, an unthinkable tragedy that changes the landscape of your life forever. A murder, sexual abuse, a violent robbery, a a messy, very messy marital breakdown. You fill in the blank, whatever that may be for you. Not everybody's going to have these, but some of you are. I was impacted in 2011. Just stay with me. There's a bit of movement. Just stay with me. Because in 2011, we had an elderly minister that came through specifically. We asked him to come and share specifically for this one purpose. Because his daughter was killed in an air disaster. For those who are old enough to, to be aware of this, there was a Pan Am aircraft. It was called Pan Am 103. It was over Lockerbie. And some terrorists decided, and they still haven't really got to the bottom of it, to plant a bomb. And Pastor John Mosey waved his 19-year-old daughter. And when I was reflecting on this, I have to say, I just, I just thank God that God has his hands on, on, on all our kids because I've got a 19-year-old daughter as well. As he waved her off, thinking she was just going to enjoy a trip in America, a bomb blasts her out the sky forever. What do you do with that, guys? What do you do with that? What do you, what do, you do with that emotion? What do you do with those feelings? And as a Christian person, what do you do with that? Retribution? Hatred? No, they would be the natural responses. I have to say, Pam, they would be my natural responses. This is wrong. This doesn't seem right. How can you allow this to happen? I'm so pleased that Pastor John Mosey Because what I've realized is this, in forgiveness, there are many people who blame, shake the fist at God and blame God and run away from God. But in moments of tragedy and crisis, and my wife's uncle, their son is preached here, died in in an accident. Instead of running away from God, it actually, they ran to God and they found forgiveness and peace and wholeness in Jesus. And Pastor John Mosey, that's exactly what he did. It took him years to process, he and his wife. But they came to the place of forgiveness. If I can say in legitimate wounds, and, and sorry, legitimate wounds and life-shattering experiences, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about radical forgiveness. My response in these moments is, oh, I don't know what to say. Some of the things that I've heard, some of the abuse that I've heard over the years, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. But I've been amazed at reading and hearing some radical stories of forgiveness and grace that people have extended. One that I read about recently was a tragic murder that that had taken out their son and this... Mom goes and visits the perpetrator in, hosp- in, in, in prison. 
and offers radical forgiveness. Radical forgiveness. <laughs> Amazing. And let me say sometimes radical forgiveness, this doesn't take days. It doesn't take weeks. It honestly, when I've talked to people, it takes months. And more often than not, it takes years. But let me say, when people come to that point, and there are some of you here, you've come to the point of radical forgiveness and radical grace. It takes yours and the people's breaths away. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Jesus, it records history and in the Bible that when he was brought between, before the judges of his day, the people who were judging him said this of him. We can find no fault in him. There is no charge to be brought against this man, Jesus. What you are saying is not true. We can't see it, but we can see you're clearly intent on getting him. And they ultimately thrashed him, beat him, whipped him, put a crown of thorns upon his head. As we lead up to Easter, this is not just about Easter bunnies and chocolate and all those. This is the living reality. And they hung this Jesus upon a cross. Nails through his wrists, through his feet. Between two criminals. Jesus' reaction, and you have to understand that this was just not a normal man. This was the Son of God. And I'm impacted by Luke 23, verse 34. Jesus said this. Listen to the language. Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. Jesus offered forgiveness, radical forgiveness and radical grace to the world through the person of Jesus. And my offer today and our offer as a church is that this message and this offer of radical forgiveness is for today. It wasn't confined to the first century, it's for today. And there is about nine people who are going to be going through the waters and this is what's happened to them. They realize that they needed forgiving. They realize that they needed a savior and Jesus took away their sins and took away their shame and now they can live free or they're getting free. Some of these stories, they've had things happen to them. All of them will have had lesser offenses. Some of them would have had legitimate wounds There may be on occasions life-shattering experiences, but they've received this grace. As I finish, wherever you are, wherever you are, I believe you can move from wounded to wholeness as you make room for forgiveness. This moment that I'm about to undertake now, just in these next 60 seconds, is a moment of private between you and God, I don't, I'm not going to ask you to stand in response. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. It's between you and God. So I wonder if everybody would just be kind enough, considerate enough to just bow your heads and just, you don't necessarily have to close your eyes. But I have two things that I want to just challenge us with today. Because some people here, 
This has really rocked you, this message. Because you're wounded. You're full of hatred. Unforgiveness. And like I said, it's not just going to, you know, you can't flick it on and off. But you can make the start. And how you can make the start is by first of all committing your life to Jesus Christ. You may say, I want to experience forgiveness from Jesus today. Or it may be, I want to have room in my heart to release forgiveness to those who have wronged me. And first of all, I want to ask if those people who say, Christian, I want to receive the forgiveness of Jesus. While every eye is closed and head is bowed, if you just raise your hand where you are now, if you say, Christian, that is me, I just want you to pray with me. I just want to receive his forgiveness. Thank you. Is there anybody else today? Thank you. Anybody else today? Hands that are going up. You're wanting to receive the forgiveness of Jesus. Wonderful. I wonder if those people would put their hands down and there may be others who you say, Christian, this is really painful what you're asking me to do, but you just know that you've got to begin the journey of releasing forgiveness to others. You've all heard me say, I'm not making them lesser. Some of them are deep-seated. But you say, I want to make the start. I'm talking to Christian people today. I'm talking to those who may have been Christians for many, many years. If that is you today, I want you to begin by just raising your hand to the Lord. By saying, I want to release forgiveness to those who have wronged me. Just raise your hand up where you are. There are people who need to respond. There are people who need to respond. Wonderful. There's hands that are going up. Just another few seconds. If your hand needs to go up, you need to do it now. You need to release forgiveness. This is a divine moment for some of you. If you want to release forgiveness and you want to make the journey, you want to make the start. So Father, there's hands up all over the place. Lord, we thank you for those who said at the very beginning they want to start the journey of receiving your forgiveness and your love. And I just pray that they would have a, in this moment of prayer, that they would have a real experience of the love of God and the forgiveness of God and the grace of God. And Lord, that you would change them. And Lord, that you would forgive them of their sins. And Lord, that they would truly understand and know that they are starting a journey of a relationship with Jesus. It's not about rules and regulations or religion. It's about a relationship. So bless them, Lord. But those today who've raised their hands because they know there's forgiveness that needs to be extended to others because of the feelings that they have, many hands that went up, I pray, Lord, that they would begin the journey. Lord, that for some people they would go, they'd do it today, they'd do it with a great spirit. Some people would just let it go. Other people would talk with others who could help them navigate them through. Because, Lord, we know that your heart is you want us to know you and you want us to find freedom. I pray, Lord, today that people would find freedom. They would move from being wounded to wholeness as they make room for forgiveness. So bless each and every one of them now, I pray in your name.